Citizens of the Verse, today is February 23rd, 2951, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Read Organization. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. You Should Be Able to Earn 30K an Hour No Matter What You Do in Game, Chekhov. (laughs) Say hello, Uh, Chekhov. Hello, you still remember that one, huh? (laughs) I hope it's more by now. I mean, you have to take care of the in consideration there is inflation you know yeah that's right well um in case you guys couldn't tell we didn't we didn't record last week and that's because we were having some technical difficulties and you probably even noticed the difference in the audio that we're using right now because we had to find a different solution so uh this week is a double stuffed episode um but yeah so uh enjoy the show i guess uh this week's guest actually is someone who tends to regularly ask questions in chat. It's his second time joining us on the show. Welcome back, Canuck2099. Canuck, thanks for joining us again. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Oh, no, no problem. So, um, what have you guys been up to this past week in the verse? Canuck, what have you been, what have you been doing? Um, this past week, I've been I've been hunting for harvestables for uh, a pretty fair bit um, on Microtech. I I tweeted out some images of stuff that I found: uh, heart of the woods, uh, marrow trees, uh, medmons, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, of the last couple of days, I've been uh, searching the area around New Babbage for a supposed Easter egg that the devs might have actually hidden there that nobody has yet found. Yeah. Um, what about you, Chekhov? Uh, a lot of FPS. I think this was definitely an FPS week. And we happened to hit an Idris mission last night. That was a lot of fun. It was just four of us, but it was good. Oh, that's great. Um I myself have also been looking for this mysterious hidden location. We'll sort of talk a little bit more about that when we get into what's happened these past two weeks in the verse, but um, no luck so far. Um, so uh, lots to talk about. Um, so what I'll, what I'll do is I'll start off with what happened two weeks ago, um, and then we can talk about sort of the happenings that happened in this past week. Uh, so for starters, um, ISC a couple weeks ago, we got another in-depth look at docking. So both the Merlin and the Connie docking system. It seems pretty simple interface and quick to use, but you know we'll see it when we get our hands on it. They did mention that the 890 jump and the hammerhead um, are going to be the first two large ships to have ship-to-station docking. So anyone who's hoping to uh, start their reclaimer from space is still um, out of luck for this short period of time. And then uh, the second half of the episode was a sprint report. So we got new cave openings. Um, we've got new harvestables that we'll be seeing in Pyro. We got a look at the bearing breach charge, which will be used to board ships. Uh, we got another look inside some of the logos that are, we're going to be seeing in the verse, um, as well as the props team's work on food items that will be in cl- colonial homesteads, as well as tables, lights, control panels, etc. Um, 
a new look at some of the law kiosks and other kiosks that we're going to be seeing in this in the um, game that might be different depending on your location and a quick quick look at the reputation manager app in moby glass uh canuck what'd you think of that episode uh, i i thought it was a actually pretty interesting episode I, I enjoyed it quite a bit i as people may or may not know i i was lucky enough to win a constellation phoenix emerald uh last march in fact in the limerick contest and so i am uh, the proud owner uh Hmm. warts and all of a of a constellation ship so i I've, i have a pretty vested interest in in the docking for the what game. was your limerick that one it, you, now you're the only winner of the contest correct yeah yeah um, wow. well there were second and third place i think the second oh, nice. place won a um an ursa and the other one won the an emerald um an emerald p72 yeah uh, i off the top of my head i, I couldn't recite it to you <laughs> but uh, I do have fun actually with uh, one of the content creators on on Twitch, Meyer. Uh, I do regularly drop limics into his chat just for fun. But oh, nice. Back to the the question. I I found it was really interesting. I think it looks pretty elegant. It as even for an initial, it might be the complete. It'll probably get changed a bit, but it looks pretty good. It looks like a nice, simple, elegant interface that can either be done manually or automatically. And some of the and the animations look good too, so I'm looking forward to it a lot. Awesome! What uh, Chekhov? Did you have a chance to, to and, catch the episode? Yeah, yourself? you know it's funny that you say that. I I've never was a big fan of Connie's, but that particular episode makes me want to actually get a Connie now, just to kind of experience yeah. the whole docking this, play. Yeah, it looks yeah. Fun. yeah. Well, what I find interesting is I was surprised at how simplistic the interface was, just given, um, you know, how detailed some of the others are. But you know what? Sometimes simple is better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm also, like, super excited. Like, I geek out because my day job, I recruit designers. <laughs> mm -hmm. So looking at sort of the logo um, work that they're doing and the work that they go into uh, creating logos uh, gets me giddy. Yeah. And then I also really, really love uh, the stuff that they were showing off that's sort of um, – you know, uh, props for the homesteads just gets me even more excited about homesteads, even though they're going to be NPC to start. Well, like talking about the sprint report, as you're saying, after the after the 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 docking part is, you know, right off the bat, the caves are way bigger than I thought they were going to be. Yep. Yep. And it's not just the entrances either. No. It seems like it looks like when you can fly a spaceship into it, you know, they're way bigger. And you talking about the props. Um, it's again, I when I was on last time, it was something I, I talked about how the, the finer details, the nicer details, the stop and kind of, I think you said, look at the rivets and the screws and the scratches. Mm -hmm. People underestimate the impact of good props. Yeah. You walk past them and you don't stop and look at them all the time, but you, you'll notice bad props. And good props can really do a lot to really add to the environment, to the immersiveness, to the tone mm -hmm. and the atmosphere. So I'm I'm excited for those too. Yeah. I even like that Port Olisar, like when you spawn there, the different habs have different um, – some are messier than others and have different layout. Mm -hmm. Like not layouts, but like different props laid out. 
um, which I think adds to the sort of nuance, at least early on until they have, you know, real habs that we can have. Agreed. Um, so then the Star Citizen Live that we saw um, that week was all about capital ship combat because, you know, they got to keep talking about it with the Xeno threat mission. Um, Jared tried to make a joke about the whole zoom cat filter scenario and not a single person there even remotely laughed. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. That was great actually. They deadpanned that perfectly. That was yeah. they they knew it was coming and they just said just sh- don't laugh. Yeah. You could tell because I don't see how they wouldn't find it funny. Um you know like I don't think they're hum- not like devoid of humor at all. But it makes sense. Um, but some of the things that they talked about, um, one, capital ships and their pr- prioritization of targets. And this this is some stuff that we know, so I'm not going to go into too much length here. Um, you know, they base it on the size and danger. Um, turrets might target, target fighters, but they'll switch to torpedoes or missiles if they're coming in. And it also shows, like, you know, the front of the address, the actual um, railgun will target larger ships. They're not trying to shoot, you know, tiny little ships out there. Um, you know, they had to tweak a lot of stuff because um, they didn't want it to be too hard and they didn't want it to be too easy. But our experience with Xenothreat was likely not going to be our long-term experience with capital ships. Um, You know, even they don't even have uh, torpedoes or missiles yet. So um, they also were talking about how fast the capital ships were moving. And I think that had a lot to do with the AI behavior. Um. And they did confirm that the capital ships that we were seeing were the military variants, not the ones um, that we're necessarily going to have in our hands. Uh, Yeah. And they were saying how testing online was a lot, you know, different than their internal tests, which were smooth as butter. Yeah. Yeah, It was uh, interesting. I think it was in that episode that they uh, asked one of the devs as what, uh, Kind of where do you get your inspiration uh, for the ship designs? And they, I thought this was pretty cool. First, they draw a lot of parallels to the expense, right? But they also mentioned that, and you know, expense uh, really does not have fighters, right? Yeah. So the, the, the whole approach and expense, it's all about these boxy, you know, ships and missiles, right? And mm-hmm. The only guns you really have are the ones that would shoot down the missiles. So versus like, you know, uh, like Star Trek and other sci-fi stuff where they really have fighters and, and that they kind of had a, you know, talk about that and really got into it is to, you know, Star Citizen consciously, you know, did not go to the expense of it, even though they, they, they really get inspired about the, a lot of the ship design work from that show. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I love that show. I think the three of us watch it, right? Oh yeah, my wife season five finally. I like got into it. Binged all. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, my wife and I got into it just before Christmas when I decided to subscribe to Prime, and we went. We're all caught up and just waiting for the last season. But an interesting point, like you're saying, is the performance in their test bed is different from the performance in the servers, and they recognize that. They say it affects things. But something that I found interesting was 
you know, there's there's always that, that difficulty they have with balancing of how hard do you want to make it to destroy or to fight? And, mm-hmm. and you know, like they said, if they, if they script the AI to focus fire, um, the ship would simply melt everything that anybody sent after it. Mm-hmm. Because, but I find that interesting because that's how we're going to fight it. Yeah. Because us as players in a coordinated effort, we're going to come in and we're going to be focusing fire. We're going to be like, focus fire on that retaliator, focus fire on that hammerhead. And they're purposely going to have to be scripting to not do that because Mm -hmm. so it's just an interesting it's an interesting thing because we're going to be zerging things and and they're doing on purpose so we have a chance and yeah it's a tough balance to not just create a a a dps sponge that you just keep shooting at it till it explodes um versus something that is indestructible and you can't get close to it yeah well i think i think once the sub like when when components are more um, physicalized and physicalized damage comes about, then we'll have more robust sub-targeting. You could start taking out some of the individual turrets mm-hmm. instead of having, you know, you focus fire on a turret instead of, you know, f- focusing on the whole ship. Or maybe you're taking the railgun out yeah. um, first so that you can protect your larger Oops. ships. Um, so it could be really interesting. And, and, and I think the key would be don't bring your larger ship in until you know you've reduced their firepower. Well, Yes. Yeah, and and we are, as we know right now things are exploding, but they won't always explode. Yeah. So they're really nice explosions, and I think that was one of the one of the things I noticed about Phase Three of the Xeno threat was, I liked Phase Two more than Phase Three personally. I felt Phase Three was not really difficult. I I never felt like it was any kind of danger of losing my ship. Um, yeah. But I still thought it was an interesting event. It was dynamic. It was fun. So, yeah, I was good with it. I wish I knew phase three was going to be so short because I would have come in and played at least, you know, once oh, um, did you, within that time. Did you miss it completely? I missed phase three completely. Uh, I, I pretty much missed all the phases. I kept on dying too, too early and I couldn't get back, you know, everything was over. Oh, okay. I was I was lucky. I, I did phase two quite a few times, and I did phase three quite a few times. Um, I just happened to be on, hit the hit my Moby Glass, saw it was going, and just jumped in. So, and for pugs, it was pretty effective. It worked pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, I I survived for the most part during phase two, and I split my time between unloading some of the ships and then. Um, you know, uh, sometimes defending the fleet um, and attacking the Idris and such. Yeah, but it was fun. It was fun. I liked that part. So hopefully they can incorporate some of the elements and um, you know reduce the the things that weren't as fun. Well, I suspect. Uh, I, I guess we'll check out. We'll probably talk a little about the roadmap coming up. But there's a few things in there that kind of lead me to believe that some of the new. Uh, cargo missions might have something similar to that in them. Yeah, yeah, it definitely mentions it in the in the roadmap. Um, I think for this coming patch, even three thirteen, uh, three fourteen, anyway. Yeah, one one of the yeah one of the yeah. soon to come patches. I can't remember which. All right. Um, now that week, two weeks ago, we also were treated to it. AMA, which for those who don't know stands for Ask Me Anything, 
um, with the vehicle experience team. Uh, and they talked a lot about a lot of things because the vehicle experience team tends to talk a lot about a lot of things. Um, and they answered a ton of questions. I'm just going to go over some brief ones that I found interesting, and then we could talk more about it because I know, Connect, you've probably watched it as well. Um, uh, they, they did mention that uh, long-term we'll be able to filter out different types of radar contacts. Um, so that can include friendlies and things like that um, so that we're only seeing enemies or, or, or targets. Um, they do want to return to uh, G-Force effects and, and them having some effect on your state as a, as a player. Um, they, they did mention also, you know, someone was asking, do you want crew seats to be a 2X multiplier um, compared to individual ships? And they said they don't want it to necessarily be a 2X multiplier because that would be, um, in their opinion, probably unbalanced. But it'll probably be, you know, one one point something x multiplier, mm -hmm. um, in the sense that you know that a ship with a good solid crew should be able to defend itself, defend itself or um, attack smaller ships and, and fare quite well versus you know the same amount of ships um, as there are crew seats. So there's that, um, you know, and I think at the end of the day, that's really about they're going to be balancing things. Um, a lot of other systems should be coming in that, you know, like like armor and physical damage that will help balance ships even more than they currently are because there are some ships that are a little bit out of whack. We're um, looking at you, Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> Here's looking at you, Hornet. Um, and then they do want to increase the ship specialization um, so that, you know, we don't have a bunch of generic anything that you know do anything ships um and a lot of that has to do with the gameplay features that need to come up um let's see last but not least you know and like i said there's plenty more uh they talked about the missile operator mode and how they want it to be more of a decision that people make um you know versus what we're doing now so yeah you might be able to shoot at a closer range but and you have a higher chance of hitting your target, but you might get splash damage or you're putting yourself at risk. Um, so those are some of the trade-offs that they're trying to balance into the missile operator mode. So those are some of the key takeaways I found from the episode. There's plenty more. I have a laundry list, but I, you know, just given how jam-packed this is, I thought, Canuck, what do you think was interesting? Yeah, I, there was, like you said, there was a lot in there. And... I kind of made a few little notes of the stuff that uh, I was kind of like, oh, I was paying a specific attention to that I think would have an effect on the widest amount of people. I think um, once uh, the sign distance shields come in and, and yep. then they sort out how armor is going to be affecting either energy or ballistic or distortion, I think that's going to go a long ways to kind of re well i don't want to say balance because it's not really balancing yet but giving ships a feel as if they have more of a purpose or more specific type of of um, function and, and i'm yeah. a big 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 proponent of while i do like like a ship like the like the um, 
excuse me, the Cutlass Black, which is kind of like, you know, it's a utility ship. It's, it's a little bit of everything, but it's not really the best at everything. What you don't mm -hmm. want is you don't want a bunch of just best of ships and everybody just is always flying. Like, you know, you Mercury Star Runner, for example, right now is a very capable ship, perhaps too capable for some things that it shouldn't be capable at doing. Nice. And so once everything kind of gets balanced out and ships are having a better sense of what their role is, then you really start fleshing out, you know, different purposes and it validates what people make as choices for, I like this ship, but my ship is underpowered for everything. So I don't want to use it for anything that kind of goes mm -hmm. away. And I think that's a big thing for, for player satisfaction is like, Hey man, I have a tractor beam now. And all of a sudden my 315 P is good for something. At, at a specific roles and so it validates people's pledges if they've pledged for them um so yeah. for me that's a that's a big thing and like you said there's a whole bunch of other stuff obviously but uh i, I don't want to eat up all everybody's time go ahead <laughs> what about you John? No, that's, uh, yeah i think you bring up a good point like we you know lately what, what i started doing just kind of getting myself uh sort of uh more organized because typically what I do is I claim every single ship before I close out the game. But that's not really the right thing to do because, you know, we have some, like, yesterday we picked up a bunch of guns, right, after the FPS, and we left them in a gun rack on the, uh, you know, on, on the Sentinel. You know, it'd be nice to, you know, when you come back, you have a full gun rack. That's not going to happen if you keep on claiming everything everywhere. You kind of want to leave your ships, and that's where the little ships come in, like the 100s, you know, where you can have some, you know, runaround uh, ships, you know, where you can stop claiming them, just, you know, leave them strategically where they need to be, and they just come in, and your ship is fully stocked with guns, with, with, with provisions, and everything else. Even though that sort of gameplay is not fully on, but we can start experiencing that even now, you know, if we choose to. And uh, also the other thing, the, the, the missile range, I mean, you bring up a good point. And I never understood that, why they're restricting that. They should definitely let that go. I'd be a big proponent. Look, if you, you know, if you want to take a chance and, you know, you're going to set off your missile close to target, then, you know, you're going to suffer the consequences. You need to judge everything. Look, just like the real world. I mean, uh, I, th I think sometimes the restrictions... It's what, what, what hinders the combat. So I definitely love to see that feature uh, come into play. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it should be interesting. I like the missile operator idea, but to me, for, there is a certain point where I think missiles, as it is now, missiles need to be reworked. But I do like the idea that certain size missiles should have more difficulty locking on certain size ships, and certain size missiles mm -hmm. should have minimum range and maximum range. But I still think, unless they decide they really don't want, you should be able to like do like a dumb fire of any missile. So if you're close enough and you really want to shoot somebody with a size four missile, uh, if you can hit them, great. But you get the splash damage. But if you're trying to lock, I find the ranges are a little difficult right now because they have to balance that better with what the guns are. Um, but because um, yeah. you know when when my missile is the same range as my gun, that makes no sense. To, so yeah it needs to at least be slightly further you know you need you want it to be especially as they're making missiles oh, now i'm saying missiles uh, and i usually say missiles like a 
like an American. Um, even though I like the term missile better, it sounds more fancy. Oh, is that like nuclear um, and nuclear and nuclear and nuclear? Well, no, that's 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 the difference between different types of Americans. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a those are Jimmy Carter days. Yeah. George Bush used to say nuclear. Nuclear, yeah. Nuclear. Anyway, well. Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. That's um, uh, what is sidetrack it? Sidetrack your um, sidetrack on how to pronounce missile. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, oh, I was going to say that mode should also allow for, like right now it's sort of like, well, we're just going to load the, the missiles that you're used to. Um, and here are the missiles that come on the ship, right? Am I mistaken there, or is that a customization option? Uh, as it is now, it comes like with standard missiles that are fit, but you yeah. can change them, obviously. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, like, when you, like, it doesn't really behave the same way as other mechanics would, and so once you have the operator mode, you can select which one you're going to use when. So it won't just be, hey, fire the one that's in the queue mm -hmm. next. You know, you you might have long-range missiles for, you know, further out, and then short-range missiles for closer well, up. Well, you can cycle the missiles now. So all they have to do... You yeah, can? You can cycle your missiles. I, Yeah, um, but, they, but, but not as granular as you would want them to be. Yeah, you sort of have to just hit until, like, you hit it to switch. I don't know. I'm sure it'll be, well, I'm assuming it'll be more robust than that. What I hope, too. Is, I hope that the, um, depending on the ship, if you think of a ship like where your co-pilot would, for example, be your missile operator, but you're not mm -hmm. only going to do missiles. So hopefully if you've got, like, multiple MFDs, you can have missile operation on one MFD and shield mm -hmm. balancing for lack of anything else, yeah. and perhaps capacitor access. And so if you have a co-pilot, they could be capacitor missiles and shields. And so they would yeah. they would have an important role in a combat versus just, you know, scrolling through, okay, let's pick this missile. Oh, our shields are low in the back. I'll just spam click on the back shield till it regenerates fast enough. Um, adding in, like, a couple of those elements to make it interesting um, yeah, I think would do a lot. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the other hope that I have for it is that you're able to actually delegate, you know, firing of missiles to to someone else. The hard part is the way missiles work right now, and and maybe there there'll be a rework of how you target missiles. It might not be easy for someone who's not controlling the right. ship. Well, do we feel that missiles, you know how we were talking earlier, that missiles replace fighters in the expanse? That's for all kinds of different reasons, like physics reasons and getting squished in a spaceship. Yeah. But would we like to see locking missiles on ships that are not necessarily directly in front of us in our reticle? I mean, in my ideal state, on a larger ship, definitely, if it's a certain type, because... You know, it's it's sort of like you have the data of where someone's location is. If it's not a cross-section missile, why do you need to have eyes on it? I, I mean, 
I, I know why for difficulty's sake, but especially as you're making it easier to shoot them down and target them, it might might add to the challenge. But then it also, you might find because of the cost that it's not worth shooting a missile at certain ships, which they should do. They should balance it out to the point where it's not cost effective to waste a missile on a ship unless it's causing you a lot yeah. of pain. Well, um, if we think of the 325, um, Origin 325, my understanding was that it was supposed to have a specialized targeting system that permitted it to fire multiple missiles at multiple targets at once. So, yeah, so you need a missile operator mode to even. You need do a missile that. operator, even like it would be pilot, obviously, because the origin is just a single. Yeah. Oh, that's but right. You <laughs> but you obviously can't have all of your targets in front of you, in front of, under your reticle. You would oh, need no, to be yeah. able to lock them away. It'd have to be more like yeah, a pinning. You need, space, you need a separate station. Well, first, we need a better radar, right? So, so the, the co-pilot station have to have its own radar where it's targeting. It's not about the radical. It's, it's more of a, you know, it's got to see a good radar system where he's seeing the ships. That's he's seeing what size they are, right? So you can target any one of them with any of the missiles that are on board. So... From that perspective, I think we have ways to go. Oh, we have ways yeah. to go for everything, but you know, it's fun to talk about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's like if you ask the devs, you know, they're gonna probably laugh. Like somebody asked them a question on on the live show, uh, why are you neglecting our hangers? They 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 kind of laughed it off. You know, it's like okay, that's really on the bottom of our list. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no joke. Like clearly, you need server meshing for that anyway. Oh, but the thing is, this the hangars had a different purpose before we had landing areas and the PU. The hangars were there yeah. so that you know when we were using hangar citizen, right? So mm -hmm. it it definitely was an interesting time, I'm sure. Although I wasn't there for full hangar oh, was citizen, great. I was we'd run there. around. For two point six, jump around, climb on a few boxes, and walk up some mm -hmm. stairs, and then, and then you'd spawn an aurora. You could sit in that didn't fly, and you'd make you'd make spaceship noises with your mouth. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you also they the hangars were big enough that they kept going if you had more ships too. Uh, right? Yeah, at a certain point, they kind of became TARDIS like a little bit, but yeah, those. Yeah, they Good were times. large, though. Um, well, moving on to this past week, um, we were treated to a really, I mean, I love the Inside Star Citizen because we got uh, our first sort of in-depth look on a more detailed version yeah. of Orson, um, which we'll be seeing in 3.14, um, which, I mean was stunning and then um we also got a look at the wear and tear system on ships uh what what excited you about that episode i mean i'm sure both things did connect but is, was there anything in particular that got your juices uh, flowing you know what i liked i liked the orison uh just the whole zen feel to it like the whole and actually i think mm -hmm. there was a zen garden what do they call those Kara's sun sui i think Forgive me if I've mispronounced it, but I think that's what they're called. Those Zen sand gardens that, you know, you rake and 
you make the patterns. I saw some mm -hmm. of those. I like the feel of it. Um, I like the idea that there's a little bit of mystery. Uh, I don't want them to, to reveal too much, but um, it, I like how they kind of thought of creating places to visit in it. Uh, yeah. It was a little point, you know, some, you go to Lorville, for example, and I actually like Lorville a lot. A lot of people don't care for it. I like it. But there's nowhere to really, aside from, I think that in, in, we'll talk about it, but in the next episode where the landing zones, you know, you get that one spot where you can kind of look over the the, the spaceport. It's, it's actually interesting to kind of mm -hmm. stand there and watch the spaceships come in, right? So it's kind of a place to go. Mm -hmm. But it seems like Orison is going to have, you know, a few of those. Some stuff, stuff to go look at and do and sit. So, and they kind of implied that there's going to be some station missions. Uh, so, yeah, that was what excited me about there. And then I'll, I'll leave my comments yeah. on the wear and tear for when we get to the wear and tear. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, the only thing I have to say, those cherry blossom trees, I mean, they kind of talking about immersion and reality, how it makes you feel. And these guys are right because they said that uh, I think we're, yeah that they they were talking about that uh, during the landing zones uh, and they were saying you know with with every landing area we get better and better and better we learn from the previous one so I mean definitely uh, this one is going to be a winner you know judging new Babbage's yeah. yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it. this it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Plus, it's going to be nice and close to, you know, atmosphere. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, uh, by the way, speaking of like uh, a lot of people, I, I like, I dislike. I'll be honest with you, I like every single landing zone. It, you know, I think they all have their own unique character. I'm sorry to see Levski go. I mean, uh, everything is great. You know, it just uh, they, they all they all have something uh, unique and special about it. Yes, new, new Babbage is the latest and greatest, but I even, you know, everything has its own advantage, even P.O. I mean, P.O. is still one of my favorite places. You know, they have great shops, you know, very easy in and out, you know, uh, so everything has its advantages in the game. It's, yeah. all, it's all good. I'm curious when they're going to finally replace P.O. with a non-legacy asset. I'm guessing, just based on the fact that they haven't already done so, I'm guessing it's not going to be just like another R&R. &R. I think it will be unique, but I'm curious to see how it will. Um, yeah, I I have to say, I mean, the thing I like, the same thing as as, as you both sort of highlighted, the fact that Orison sort of has this it's a place to visit. It's not just, you know, it's not just a landing zone anymore. It's, it's like a tourist destination. Whereas the others, like the feel that, that um, oh. new Babbage has is you're here on mm -hmm. business. Right. And then all the creature comforts are for the people who work here. And it, it's got the work hard, play hard, Silicon Valley type of vibe. Yeah. Um, but I think there'll be a lot of unique stuff at Orison. And I also think the lessons that they've learned so far with all the landing zones are going to start to be applied to 
some of the previous ones, at least some in some ways, maybe not complete overhauls. Um, now, the wear and tear system, it was just showing sort of the effect of the environment on your ships, both from a, your ship is going to see weather have an impact, you know, in the short term, but also sort of long term damage and wear. On, on the ship and right now it's just going to be pretty rudimentary in terms of you claim your ship it's going to go back to nice and polished but long term it's going to have that character um, that you might look for in a ship that you've had for a while my question would be like does that mean they're going to make the reclaimer look brand new because um, the reclaimer um, somehow I just died and exploded in my own I, ship I know the answer to that but you're the they have said that all new ships are going to look new. You're not getting like a, mm -hmm. a ship that's pre-dirty, pre-junky, and pre-like. That's yeah. gonna. That won't be it. I I love pretty much everything I saw about the wear and tear, except yeah, the cockpit. Don't be scratching up. Oh yeah. I can I can live with a bit of smudge, but that's supposed to be diamond glass. Don't be uh, scratching that up. It's bad enough now with some of the lighting, like I understand. But even I owned a car a few years ago, and I replaced the windshield because I had too many, you know, I drive into the light, and it was just too bad. And it was, and I understand we have to replace that. But sometimes they get a little overzealous with the wear, and, you know, they can, the, yeah. the Mustang um, are, is a good example of how they can overdo it with the cockpit. And I just don't want to see that as a regular thing. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. And what's from also there. when you claim the ship, obviously it's brand spanking new. Yeah, you claim a ship, you get a new ship. And they say you can repair it, but the quality of life effect of really messing up with the cockpit can really, really, really mess with your just your overall game experience for no other reason than you know, like an artist says, I'd love it to see lots of scratches and stuff on there. Oh, oh yeah, I used to hate the freelancer because of that. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Oh, I think I know what happened to my ship. So I was flying my. Um, actually, I don't know what happened. I was flying my Pisces back into my um, Carrick, and my Pisces just exploded and killed me. Oh. And I was like, why? I was flying it normal, yeah. and now I look at it, and it's crooked. I think I had, like, a desync oh, issue. Yeah, that happens. I don't know what it was. Um, yeah, I don't want the wear and tear to be that dramatic either on the cockpit i i hate sort of overdoing it too especially i don't know i'm a i'm a little bit of a perfectionist like i don't i'm the type of person that that my ship i'm not going to be attached to my ship because it looks dirty i'm going to be attached to my ship because it's my ship so i'm the one who's going to be like all right i've just went through a deep space expedition time to buff this puppy Agreed. out yeah i like my things tidy but i think people are, you know if you have like a, a combat ship that sees combat well then you know it's going to look banged up um but even when they come with the physicalized damage you know we've seen some of the videos of that the you know the the dragon puffer there the uh, shooting at the ship and really doing a job on its armor. Um, well, unless mm. you repair that, 
you know, that's going to be there for a while. Yeah. And even then, I think, I, I do think it'll be cool if they make the repairs look different than the exterior, unless you go through the actual process oh, like of paint matching. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It might just cost more money, but I think some people are going to like that, like, Drake duct tape together kind of feel, and some mm. people aren't. So, um, yeah, it was a good, it was a good inside star citizen. I agree. Um, now, and, and so far so good this year, you know, like unlike last year where I felt like the beginning of the year was just like, this year has been really solid so far. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. Um, now star citizen live, we got, um, a Q and A with the uh, landing zone team. If you can yeah. call it a Q and A, they told some lovely stories. Yeah. Well, and I think what Jared was sort of hinting at, without saying it directly, it's sort of our fault, aka the citizens, not because uh, it, it, a lot of people uh, ask uh, questions of the team that weren't really geared yeah. towards the landing zone content team. It was more about features or systems or things like that. And this yeah. was the content. Team it was all garbage questions. So they couldn't, couldn't answer use. a lot of questions. They asked my question, although he didn't ask it the way I asked it, because it would have been a little more granular. Um, but I was asking about sort of the additional landing zone stuff, but also very specifically, I had referenced the fact that in lore, there's supposed to be a location on Loreville that's sort of like an oasis and a resort for the executives of oh. Hurston. Yeah. And it's, it's supposed to be like really oh, tropical yeah. and amazing. And I was asking, you know, when do they anticipate finishing off things like that? So he didn't really address that. He just said landing zones, additional landing zones, you know, um, but they did talk, they answered that question. They answered um, a, a, a big crux of the conversation. They had too many people too, so they were talking too much. But um, a big crux of the conversation is these landing zones, even once Crusader's done and the the true Aaron's Halo is done, they're not done with Stanton. They're going to continue to refine, especially as new technology oh, comes yeah. up. I'm sure procedural technology, you know, they'll be putting homesteads. They'll be putting all other sorts of things in here. You know, even you look at the new caves that will be coming in, you know, they'll continue to improve. Um, what would you think uh, of the episode? Well, Connor? there was a lot in it. And I've, I, you know, I know you said that, you know, there were a lot of people, but it was all people that enjoy, you can tell they enjoy their job and they, and they really love yeah. the work they do. And, you know, that's what yeah. you want is you want people working on things that love what they're doing. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, going through the different, like, you know, the kind of like the timeline of the different landing zones, yeah. I found that interesting. Um, you know, Levski mm -hmm. leaving, you know, Seneca no revoir kind of thing. It's, it's not goodbye. It's just mm -hmm. until we meet again kind of thing. Um, and the whys of why they created stuff and how they learned from the different areas. Like, yeah. you know, I think at one point they said, for whatever reason, we it, it, it we had to do it to discover that putting the landing zone in the middle of Lorville wasn't a good idea. 
you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But again, that's something that's actually easily, relatively easily fixed. I mean, you just make that middle landing zone of Lorville for small ships and you create a port with a train on the outside. And it's as simple as that. And it's, you know, fixed. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, know, exactly. they kept, you know, they kept talking about, uh, I think it was the young guy with Duke, um, who said somewhere on somebody's hard drive, somewhere at CIG, there is motion cap of somebody pooping. And um, that, that <laughs> makes me sad. Because <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that they turn that, that the whole toilet uh, thing into like a passive kind of, oh, there's a toilet on your ship, therefore your hygiene is good kind of thing, as opposed to an active, yeah. you know, interact kind of thing. But we'll see. But, you know, yeah. new Babbage and all that. And then, of course, the the hint that there might be a, a secret area that nobody's discovered yet around new Babbage. So. Yep. At which has us all looking. That's what I'm doing right now yep. too. So there's a lot of places that just like, I hope they add some sort of content to mm-hmm. down the road. Um, what about you check off? It sounds like you check. Yeah. I, I mean, for the most part, it was lengthy because there were, it wasn't interactive, no questions. I found it kind of uh, somewhat a little bit boring. I don't know. That was just me. I, I like sort of real content and real deal stuff. This is more of some uh, sort of, uh, you know, subjective uh, sort of talk. Uh, I would have loved to see more of a Q&A, but that only happened towards the end. But one thing I have to say, I don't know about the landing zone in Lauraville. The only thing I could tell you that it took me two months to figure out how to land on Area 18. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Find the shield and go for it. It's like, what shield? What are you talking about? A shield? That was the back yeah. in the day where the, you know, with the nets were there. So half of the time I would just like get snagged. Oh, good. Right. Get snagged, get bounced around. And, and, and I was a newbie. I was flying in Aurora. And like Area 18 was the place to go because I thought it was really cool. I'm like, oh my god, if this is what I'm gonna need to go to to be able to land anywhere. Okay, I don't know about this game, but that but Port Orlesar yeah. started looking pretty good, eh? Oh yeah, that's why PO was my home. You know, I would just like not leave there. Yeah. Like I could see I like I could see I agree with Chekhov to a point where I could see how people would kind of get oh, this is kinda ho hum because they're going in there wanting some questions yeah. and some answers. But at the same time, I, I like to see the fact that some point, you know, you, you read Spectrum and people are like, oh, the devs don't care about this. or they don't, And then you, you listen to them actually talk and you realize, no, these guys care and they're, and they're trying their best and they're doing their stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, so I liked it. And then, yeah, like, like you said, there were the 12 questions I, at the end. I thought it was good. Uh, you know, like I would take that any day over one of the ones where they do the like hey here's this person making essentially concept stuff that we may or may not yeah. see in game but like you the know, pig head cloud one yeah forget that like it's pretty hard niche pass. um at least this gives me like a good understanding of how they come up with ideas and such and and you know i thought it was interesting that they talked about you look at loreville I agree with the, what they were saying. It doesn't look like a big city. It doesn't look 
the size that it, it's supposed to be. But when you get up close and you see, like, when you're traveling by the train, especially, that's that's what they were talking about. Like, you can tell that that puppy's well, got some land. Somebody mass. said it's and like the size of Denver or something. Yes. Oh, sorry. That's what I was going to say. They say, like, it's a, the size of Denver. No, it's all right. I think I said it before on oh, okay. episode two, so. <laughs> now, Denver's well, not a very big city, but In a still. video game, it's big. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, obviously the transit systems have gotten better, too, because, you know, getting from the space uh, port in New Babbage, that's what is it? Uh, 25 kilometers I don't know. Away? I'm walking it right now. It seems pretty far. <laughs> I think they said, a, I, I recall them saying something close to like 20, 25 kilometers when they were showing yeah. us um, New Babbage. Well, they were the saying that time. those trains move as fast as you could expect a train. Like they're almost yeah. hypersonic, I think. Yeah, they are really fast. So, and it also sort of fits in with this whole like, Elon Musky <laughs> kind of thing. So, you know, it works for New Babbage too. Yes. So well, there was, uh, well, there was, was all the questions episode. at the end. Like there were a dozen questions, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if there was one that um, really kind of jumped out at me. Uh, the glass elevators, I think, was something that would be fun to have. And they were talking about that. They were talking about roads. Um, oh, yep. that's what it was. I remember now. Something that I think was a really interesting point, and this is like maybe a point to discuss here, is they implied that, for example, in Lorville, you can get premium parking. And premium parking would be limited mm -hmm. because your ship does not despawn. Now, they didn't specify, though. Do they mean it doesn't despawn while you're in Lorville and online? Or if I land in Lorville, park in a hangar, park on a pad, park in the premium parking, and then get on your Carrick and leave Lorville. Does that mean that that landing area is simply that that parking spot is taken and I'm just paying for it at Infinium? They, they implied that that would be the case because they don't want to show ships popping in and out. So, and so that would be the whole point that, you know, that, um, for those who may maybe not have seen the episode, someone was asking about the, the exterior pads in New Babbage, or not New Babbage, in uh, Lorville. And they were saying, how come we can't land on those? Let us land on those. And they said those pads are really primarily there to be landing areas for NPC ships because they want to show that dynamic environment without taking up our hmm. parking spaces. They said that they could consider using them as sort of like a premium space for players, but the drawback would be it's never going to despawn because they don't want ships to pop in and out. They want it to be as real as possible. I I understand, but if if the game gets you know World of Warcraft level popular, that's going to be a lot of people trying to park their spaceships. Yeah, but you're talking about oh, you'd have first and foremost. Rumors, I guess, too, right? you're, 
Well, the way it would work, well, first of all, by the time it's like World of Warcraft, uh, World of Warcraft popular, we'll have multiple systems with multiple landing zones. Um, in addition to potentially homesteads and other places where we might opt to land. Then there's the fact that once an area gets too populated and it's too dense, the server will split into multiple shards so that, um, you know, it can handle the workload. So, you know, you might get an instance of the same location. I don't, I don't know though, how they're going to deal with that from a, Hey, you know, here's your party. What happens if you end up on one shard versus another? I don't think that'll end up happening. I think most of it will be instead of like, say you had too many people in the center of Lorville, I think that'll become its own server in and of itself. And then the surrounding areas, like every container can be a server, essentially. That's the way they made it sound like dynamic server meshing would be. Um, who knows if that, that'll ultimately be the case yeah. or not. Because I'm just, again, I'm just like kind of thinking of the people that have like all the spaceships. You have to put those somewhere, right? Yeah. And so there could mm -hmm. be some challenges. They'll have to spread them out purposefully. Oh, well, in a hangar, they'll despawn. Oh, it's on only the on the landing pads that are exterior. They don't want it to pop out. Oh, where I see. see must... They want the the magic of behind the mirror, right. behind the curtain. Uh, that, okay. Then I have a better understanding of the intention now. Yeah. That's why they, that's why they, they lean towards hangar because because of the fact that things pop in and out. But that doesn't make sense to me for the space stations because those have you put them, yeah. landing pads that we land on. And I also am like, I'd rather, I also think like they shouldn't despawn ships unless they have to. Like as it stands right now, they despawn after a certain amount of time. But like sometimes you're at a space station and there's no one else there and your ship still despawns. Huh. so that that was uh last week's content this week we are in for what sounds like another treat at least from my point of view we are going to be seeing an inside star citizen well first of all tomorrow is going to be a new round uh roadmap and, and road wrap roundup so something to look forward to there we should have if if not already soon tonight uh update to the galactopedia um, but Thursday, the Inside Star Citizen will feature the active feature team and what's been going on there, um, as well as a sprint report, which is always usually content rich. Um, and then on Friday, uh, we'll be getting um, a calling all devs that's going to be talking about the future of inventories, which I'm really excited to, to hear more about that and how that's going to work. So that should be exciting as well. Um, we'll also get a jump point and newsletters and all that fun stuff. So um, we don't have the intro music this week because of our technical difficulties. I, I'll probably drop it in as background music at this point. But what time well, is it? You can always off? sing instead of the intro. <laughs> it is the, finally the time for science. By the way, I do like your icons in Discord. For the science channel. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're cool. We just added in our read Discord some 
some science icons, which um, which are really fun. It's a test tube, and what's the other one? It is oh, and a DNA strand. It's a very sciencey. So, uh, Kanak, what have you been up to uh, for science? Uh, well, like I said in the intro, I've been um, putting my Reliance Zen to good use, and I've been uh, hunting harvestables. Just out, and what can I find, and how much can I collect? in you know a session on around microtech and i had some pretty good success i think and i was on for like three hours and i think in that three hours i collected uh maybe five trees worth of so 10 medmons and four pitambus and i found Mm -hmm. like i don't know like a half a dozen heart of the woods so that's another dozen now i went and tried to look and i know that earth did it in his video and he couldn't I don't remember if he managed to sell the Heart of the Woods or not, but I kind of went around and I couldn't find anywhere that would buy them either. So I just think they're not, certainly don't seem to be purchasable. Yeah. Connected. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, right? Hopefully soon we'll see um, some changes there. Um, especially since they're adding more harvestable bulls and it sounds like we'll be getting some more within the cave mm-hmm. system. Um, coming up. Uh, Chekhov, what about you? You said you were doing something right before. Uh, That was something really minor, but I really found something very interesting. The quickest way to experience the prison play. Uh, Purchase a a ship with an EMP weapon if you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. (laughs) We call that Steve Herkeling with the EMP. I'm pretty sure that was the last time I went to prison as well was when one of my uh, party members uh, got, oh no, was it a party member or was it advocacy? I can't remember which, but someone got caught up in my EMP blast and it was just yeah, treacherous. Everybody's claiming um, though the EMP doesn't work and I could have sworn when you were doing it, it worked perfectly. Oh, it was working beautifully. Maybe it doesn't work as as great as we would hope, but it was working beautifully when I was using it. It was the key to yeah, my you success. Yeah, me how because right now I'm torn between a Harbinger and Sentinel. It's like because I'm just I can't figure out how to use an EMP. Yeah, I think the big thing is you you once you have eyes on the target, you charge, you charge the EMP so that there's a bubble waiting for them and then as soon as you get close enough and the range depends on the emp i believe once you get close enough you hit that that emp button again and it it hits the target and you'll see their oh see so someone told me the shields have to be down first before the right that's Mm -hmm. kind of that makes sense what you say emp really brings down the shields right yeah, yeah. So what I would what I would do is when I was doing the bounty missions, I'd have my EMP charge and I would wait until someone's jou- like one of the um, NPCs is jousting me, and as they're passing, I hit the EMP and I hook right back around behind them and just start hitting the back of their ship because their shields are either down or weakened. 
Um, and then if you can get them with another EMP quickly, their systems will shut uh, okay, down. Okay, so one takes down the shield and a second one shuts down the systems. Yeah, I don't know if they're working as intended, but they're doing something because I've seen it happen. And then depending on your um, power supply, it'll it'll come back quickly or not. Um, that's some of the differences yeah. that a lot of people don't really take into account when they're putting power supplies and and whatnot on their ships is how fast they recover from an EMP. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not even a year ago, we were playing where we were going to. I can't remember what the outpost was, but it was one of the outposts. I think it was on Selen. We were hauling, and I was in my Carrick, and it was when the subscriber ship was the Avenger with the EMP. Um, and there were people who were essentially doing the whole in-chat Hey, way too geeky. Declare yourself and your intentions, else, you know, we're going to attack you. And I didn't see it because I never have chat up. And they kept hitting me. There were multiple people that kept hitting me with the EMP. And my ship systems completely shut down and my ship was dropping to the surface. And I had to like turn the systems back on. I, you know, barely made it. Um, and then they ended up killing me. Um, and that, that became like a whole affair where they, they were using the EMP like crazy. I think it's the warden, uh, not warden, warlock, uh, warlock, warlock. warlock. Yeah, EMPs in atmosphere are, oof, they're dangerous. Cause if, if you get somebody's dangerous. engine to shut down, all of a sudden he's like, it's got a reboot. Yeah. A brick. They did it to our, um, we were in a hammerhead trying to, you know, essentially avenge my initial death. And we dropped like a fly and the person who was flying the ship didn't know that you had to turn the power <laughs> back on, like as if you're, you know, like hit R. And so we, we plummeted to the ground and, and blew up in a fiery, uh, you know, mess. So it was really interesting. Um, to say the least. So they, they sort of work. Those were overpowered at the time, and that was a known issue. Well, I think um, that's something I'd like to see come in to is, um, another word escaped me. Uh, you know, every ship will have a certain amount of, of um, not capacitors, capacitors, the things you put in the system that'll do automate stuff or um, blades, thank you. Computer blades? And I think what might be an interesting thing is sacrificing perhaps blades for EMP protection, for example, um, you know, just stuff mm -hmm. to be able to counter things because much like any MMO, if you've ever played a lot of MMOs, uh, you know, sometimes uh, some classes with like area of effects can be a little overpowered or freezes and stuns and rendering players immobile. It seems mm -hmm. always a little OP. And so you don't want stuff like that it's like a little bit like the grenade launcher right now there are no disadvantages to using the grenade launcher uh, in 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 the game right now and so that's the kind of stuff they'll have to look at but emp might be another one where perhaps on a big ship with an avenger for example an emp on a hammerhead is relatively inefficient it might do some capacitor issues you know kind of cost you a little bit of energy but it sure should knock your whole ship out of the mm -hmm. sky yeah, no, it should not. That's for sure. 
Well, and then that was a bug at the time where it was overpowered specifically mm. on the warlock. Uh, so that brings us to our Q and A. And funny enough, because we're two weeks behind, most of our questions are Josh. from the Canuck. Oh. <laughs> uh, so the question is. Do we go through your questions and talk about your thoughts as well, or do we skip them and only go to two questions? I don't know. Is there anything in there you'd want to talk about? Yeah, I think I think we just go through them. So, um, if you don't mind, the uh, the first question that you said, free flight event is on. Have you tried recruiting any of your friends to play Star Citizen? If so, have you been Mm -hmm. successful or not? That's a great Um, question. Uh, check off. Yeah, I got a successful? big laugh. Have you tried? I said from my son, I said, Zach, why don't you get some of your friends? It's a free flight. I said, oh, they're, they're laughing at Star Citizen. What do you mean? The game that will never get finished? Is that the one? You have the stairs. So that's what I'm getting. And he plays Counter Strike oh, sometimes, he's, right? He's like, oh, he's Counter. What's that other one? The new version of Counter Strike, the 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 nice looking one. Uh, I forget uh, a CS:GO, cartoonish, uh, cartoonish, some oh like, Fortnite, 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 Overwatch. No, 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 not Fortnite. I forget the name of it. No, Overwatch? something else. Uh, uh, I know which one. It's um, it's I, it starts popular, with but yeah, yeah. But no, lately, believe it or not, we've been getting into. Like we play uh, tabletop simulator on Steam with some good board games. Those are a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I might try and do that oh, too. Any uh, interesting board games? hundred percent. You should join us for Nemesis. Nemesis is like being in an alien movie, and it's pretty complex. Like if you thought Pandemic was difficult, Nemesis is much harder. I bet you it's very similar to a game that I used to play called Dark mm. Moon, um, which is sort of like pandemic meets. Well, it's got a very alien. You know vibe, what's number like, two game right now? Like Terraforming Mars. I I love okay. Terraforming Mars. It's my okay, favorite so if board you game. That Nemesis should be for you. Oh, I'm a very geeky person, as you can guess yeah. by my handle. Um, I have Thursday, many, Thursday many night is, uh, game night. Oh, maybe not, not this week, probably, okay. but maybe next I'll week. I'll have to check that out. See. It's not something I picked up on Steam, but you yeah. Know. yeah, tabletop simulator is pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Canuck? Have you tried to get yeah, I've tried on board? Specifically, like I, 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 where I work, I don't have a lot of people that game. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I work in a high mm-hmm. school and most of the people I work with just simply don't game. But there is one guy, he plays Pathfinder mm-hmm. and some other Steam games. And um, he likes the sci-fi. So I sent him all the information for the free fly. And um, he never got around to it. Now, there's still a few more days. It's the 23rd. So he might jump in for a day, but I doubt that. And then another guy on, that I know through Steam... Um, he seemed interested in it, but when it came time, this was for the um, the fall event, the um, at New mm-hmm. Babbage. Uh, my my 
The yeah. IAE, thank you. The my, IAE. my name recognition today is a little weak. Uh, but he uh, ultimately okay. he said life happened and he just never got around to it. I said, ah, there's no rush. You got another five years to <laughs> give it a try. But for yeah. the most part, my daughter yeah, exactly. is a little interested in it. But, you know, we don't, obviously we've only got one rig that will run it. But I suspect that if I decided to, yeah. you know, yeah, buy another desktop or a really powerful laptop, she'd probably be interested in playing. Um, but I haven't had a lot of success. Yeah, I haven't even tried. Uh, one, because the people who I know, like my, my twin brother plays video games, but he's more like an RPG, like hardcore RPG person where he'll play like first-person shooters. So he doesn't tend to like um, these types of games. Although you never know. I, I think, and then I don't even know what other friends might even remotely be interested in this style of game. Um, you know, I think I, before I try and get anyone interested, I'm going to wait till server meshing and, and, you know, a little bit yeah. better performance or at least less, less buggy. Um, you know, and I think server meshing will help during those larger scale events, like, you know, bringing people into the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about FPS. I mean, these guys are playing these games that are over a hundred FPS. You know, so. Yeah, but yeah. Star Citizen. I mean, there's certain things. Obviously, better, more FPS is better. But you know, honestly, uh, if you're playing Star Citizen at 35 frames per second for the most part, it's not your frames per second that are hurting you. It's the server ticks. It's the it's the desync. 35 yeah. FPS in Star Citizen exactly is right. perfectly playable. It's it. I mean, it's not competitive you know, competitive FPS if you were doing like, you know, space marine level. But the game never got to the point where you needed anything more than 35 FPS because it doesn't perform at the level it needs to. Right. Well, they're talking about like PvP. Yeah. PvP is, um, you know, it's it's not, you can't really do PvP in Star Citizen. Uh, it just... Not, not, yeah, not, not yet, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and then your next yeah. question. <laughs> Do you want me to read it in is... my own voice, or are you just? Gonna... <laughs> what, I mean, okay. you can. What is it? Oh, that was on. Uh, I have Discord open here. Let's jump in there. What was another question? Because it's been two weeks. Okay, question two. All right, ready? Yeah. <clears throat> hey, uh, Geeky and Chekhov. Uh, no one talks much about ground vehicles. Uh, much as they have a limited purpose, really, so far. So excluding the rock, what would be your favorite ground vehicle and what do you use it for when you break it out? Oh, but you know what? Before you guys answer, this is one of these questions where if I'm at home listening to the podcast, I would like, what would I answer that? So people at home, Mm. take a second. I'll give you like five seconds of quiet so you can pretend you're answering the question to your your MP3 player or whatever. (laughs) All right. So now, Geeky, you can say, hey, that was really interesting. Thank you. And then now we can. Ask. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, uh, go ahead, check yeah, out. I, I don't spend a lot besides the rock. I mean, I spent a lot of time in it, but I can't it's say it's my favorite. It's just a, a mining vehicle. I really enjoy the cyclone. I mean, we had a lot of fun in it. I mean, I'm looking forward to that's one fun. day to participate in Daymar Rally. Yeah, so, I mean, we. I remember we did that whole 
hike from I forget. Uh, I think uh, Napkins organized that kind of like an event. Yeah, uh -huh. I kind of enjoyed that, but I, I don't. I didn't really have enough experience in any other vehicle, uh, so it's really Cyclone and of course the golf cart. I mean, that was my first science moment when I tried <laughs> to get a golf cart up the elevator into Everest. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really like the Ursa. To be honest, um, I think when we're closer, you know, once physical inventory comes into play and some other things, if you look around that ship, that vehicle, it's pretty functional vehicle because um, it has a locker in there, it has weapons racks. Um, so it, it, I think it'll be pretty multi-purpose. Um, Plus, I just like that it's enclosed, so I don't have to worry about what I'm wearing. I currently use it for sightseeing, so that's pretty much all I use it yeah, for right for now. Yeah, for me, I, my go-to when I'm on ground is the Ursa as well. Uh, I like the um, the tumblers, but I find they have a tendency of blowing up for nothing. Uh, and the hover bikes are kind of cool, but <laughs> you know, once you get off one, it's hard to get on them sometimes. Uh, but I, 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 I yeah. like the Ursa. And it's it's multi-purpose. You can use it for like exploring, or if you just want to kind of cruise around. Um, so I like the Ursa. Yeah, and it's got a lot of capacity for a ground vehicle too. You know, it's really got what it's got. Uh, is it two or four jump seats? In uh, two, I think. Four? Two anyway. It's... Maybe two. Yeah. At least two. And then, right. then the co-pilot seat. So you're dealing with at yep. least a crew of four. Now I'm going to go look. Look, I'm going to go to the garage and see. Look at our guns. There's a turret on the, on the top, right? Yeah, and there's a turret if you need to. Yeah. Yeah, a remote. Yeah, turret. I think yep. during daymark. So it's uh, sorry, guys. useful. Oh no! I yeah, said, so during daymark they allowed Ursus to actually shoot at each other. That that was uh, that was part of the. the it's weapons hot. Uh, yeah, definitely. All right. So yeah, I think I think MG asked a question after that, eh? Yeah. Oh yeah. So he asked. I was. I had the way I wrote my notes. I just put okay. all of your questions together. <laughs> but since he was inspired by you, he said, inspired by Canuck's question, how would you? How would you pitch Star Citizen to a new player? Um, well, can I, you know what? what? You pit, Essentially, you the way I pitch it, and and when I talk about it with people that are, I think would be interested in, it, is like, I just kind of say, you know how when you like play space games, you'd kind of think, wow, it'd be really great if I could get out and do stuff too, and or you know how you would play like ground space yeah. games, and you'd say it'd be really cool if I was able to fly around and do stuff too. As that's what Star Citizen is going mm. for. Uh, because as much as you know, Elite Dangerous, yeah. and I, I, by all means, I do not. Elite Dangerous, I played a little bit, not a, not a lot. I only started playing a little bit just to try it out. And there's some really great stuff in there, but I kind of miss, you know, not getting out of my spaceship. And and then you play like a, an mm -hmm. FPS game or something, and you know, if you are in a spaceship, it's on rails, you know, um, or if mm -hmm. you get something like. Uh, you know, any kind of game like that. And I like the flexibility. I like the openness of it. And I like the whole idea. So what I tell them is, is you know, so essentially it's a, just if you want to do it, the whole purpose is, the whole idea is you will be able to do it. And that's kind of sexy. Yeah. So 
No, that's that's a great yeah. idea. I, I pitch it more like a, a save your liver kind of game. So you really have a, let's say, tough day at work. <laughs> so typically you would come home to two martinis. Well, with Star Citizen, you may only need one. <laughs> so. <laughs> or like me, you, you just drink both martinis and play Star Citizen. Nostrovia. Um, my <laughs> exactly. My uh, my pitch would be at least th- there's one friend who I know who would at least be slightly interested in the game because he's relatively geeky like me and likes uh, space sims. M- one of my my college roommate was um, he and I used to play um, Star Wars Battlefront two, the original one on PS two, and so I would say to him, hey. Remember Star Wars Battlefront 2? Uh, this game it has all the cool parts of Star Wars Battlefront 2, except instead of having to you know, stick within a small, confined space, you actually have an entire universe to explore. Um, so that's what I would say, even though it's not a very good pitch. <laughs> But you know, you yeah. use what hooks. And we have to obviously add the caveat. Oh, by so. the way, a lot of stuff doesn't work. But I mean, it's the whole idea is. It's it really, is. really stage. I don't find that on my own. I didn't ask anybody. I just don't. So you know, I wouldn't tell them that doesn't work. But one thing I could tell you: mining on Arrow is like playing golf. You know, it's like nothing, 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 and then you find this one batch of hat on eye. Well, today it's nothing, nothing, and more of nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's my been my experience lately as well. Yeah, but the last time I went mining with my rock on aerial was the night I found sixteen hadenite rocks in the same spot. Yep, yep. that's oh that was goodness. that was my trip yesterday. I came back like less than an hour with two hundred k, and today just like I don't know. Didn't even mine all the rocks. It was just like, all right, well, wow, it's, a it's a conspiracy. Oh, that's insane! Oh my god, let me just get them. Six, about twelve rocks just came up. As oh, I'm there talking. you go. Hold on, I'm. <laughs> As we line. speak no, of no, it, no, this is this is not the night. This is the one that's going to end oh, yeah. this podcast. <laughs> what um. So, Kanak, what's, uh, why don't you uh, close out with Oh, your, uh, yeah, okay, hold on. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, I just want to read it if I did it. Okay, so Xenothreat ended just before the free fly started on the 15th. I suspect you've already talked about it during the show, but I've got a question you might not have covered. Phase 3 was the capital ship combat phase. Yes, in its infancy, but when you participated, did you feel any danger at any point? Also, how could CAG make fighting capital ships more engaging and less shoot at it until it explodes approach? And then I also thought uh, MG's question was uh, a good question. But we kind of touched on that, and you guys didn't get a chance to do Phase 3, so it kind of becomes a, a moot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would I would say, actually, the um, the thing... We sort of even talked about it a little bit, but I would say... Capital ships should feel very dangerous, and I think the coordinated effort needs to come from uh, actually saying, okay, 
how do we disable what's yeah. most likely to kill us, right? And, and, and I think a lot of it's like, you know, send in the flyer, you know, the, the um, fighters to essentially distract the cannons, drop in the bombers or whatever the case may be. But I think targeting its weak spots is going to so be... We, uh, we had somewhat of a strategy with the Idris uh, last night. So what we did is we, uh, we made it exhaust all of its countermeasures using a whole lot of, uh, you know, smaller missiles and save the torpedoes until the end. And that kind of worked, you know. And, of course, I had to uh, sacrifice my buck had to be a kamikaze, you know, a couple of times. But uh, that plus some smaller <laughs> missiles kind of way. Well, you know, you say that, <clears throat> excuse me, but that was actually one of the strategies that when they asked the devs about it, that they suggested says, you know what? People think it's a bug that it stops putting up countermeasures, but it's because no, it's out of right. countermeasures. Exactly, it's out of countermeasures. Yeah. Throw garbage missiles at it to make it kind yeah. of, yeah. you know. Exactly but again, going yeah. forward, do you script it? Do, do, like, you can't really tell. We'll, we don't, as it is now, we don't know if it's a size one, two, three, or four missile coming in at us. But if you're flying an Idris, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the Idris pilot, or I'm the Idris designer in my mind anything smaller than a size five missile is an annoyance at best it's not doing any meaningful damage to the shields you might as well be just like a gundam just mm -hmm. you know with one of those big shield things and and the republic droids are shooting at it because nothing's going to happen so right now it's a strategy but long term will Will they script the AI to say, ah, that's just a size two, don't worry about it. It'll hit the shield, we don't have to worry about it. And it won't waste those countermeasures against the smaller missiles. Well, the other question too is how will, you know, because even the operator mode is one change to missiles that they're going to have. But, you know, they did talk about missiles having different effects on ships as well. Do we think that shields are going to be the thing that do, do we think I think long term they'll probably end up having some sort of splash damage beyond like I don't think the shield will absorb a full missile um, hit but also maybe you use a sub-targeting technique to just hit mm. something specific like a turret like maybe the turret will be more easily damaged or whatever the case yeah. may be I don't know It'll be interesting to see. I think there's a lot of ways they, they can balance it and make it feel dangerous and, and challenging. I think for their initial initial release, they wanted it to just be really yeah. cool and fun. All right. Uh, do I have another one? Oh, my goodness. Okay, yes, actually, you, this is, one I, you know what? I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to paraphrase it because it sounds kind of funny, silly, reading my own questions. But you know how when we were watching the ISC with the docking and there's the little mini game for docking uh, to be able to align your ship. I'm speaking with my hands because I'm French Canadian. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't see, but I'm, I'm doing movements with my hands, but how they, how they've got all the docking sorted out with that little mini game. So for your alignment, do you, do you see any potential for that mini game to be able to be applied in any other mechanics that might be useful going forward? Um, Wait, I'm sorry. Check off. Do Say it again. My, my rock was doing any... cartwheels as I was getting it up. Nomad. Ah, uh, essentially, do you see them applying 
the sort of interface slash mini game that they have for docking to other systems. Uh, and what if so? Uh, yeah, that's kind of. Can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like, uh, could, we, could we see that maybe for like you know how people complain about when you're going into a hangar? I was just gonna say, like, why not make that just standard uh, landing? Pilot, you know, advanced autopilot setup. Well, I think you said it many times. I mean, yeah. you can't believe that we still have to sh- land our ships manually, especially luxury ships. I mean, where's that tugboat? You know, <laughs> I live along the Welland yeah. Canal, so when the ships come in, the pilots get on the ships and and navigate the ships through the canal and all the uh, the locks. It's not the ships. Uh, they don't pilot themselves. There's people here that know the systems better. Now, obviously, that's not what it's going to do. But, you know, I personally believe that, like, elevators would make more sense for everything for the for the, for the the hangars, especially yeah. the, the vertical ones. The horizontal ones flying in is not too bad. Although, if we are parking... You know, you might want to start back. You'll have to start backing out or backing into these hangars. But, you know, in, in the absence of an mm-hmm. elevator, unless especially, you know, there's there's are they going to take away third person mode? Uh, you know, that's one of these questions, because a lot of people, you know, you're flying a, a caterpillar and to get into some of the hangars and they made that point too. what was it? Uh, was it during the landing zone? They kind of talked about how the Carrick is a little bit chubbier than it mm-hmm. was initially conceived, but it still identifies to the yep. landing zones as a certain ship size. That's why it keeps getting called into that specific ship size of hangar. Um, so I guess yep. putting it in a bigger hangar would deal with that. But still, coming in with a Constellation, it's yep. still a pretty, it's a tightish fit. And, uh, I don't know, like a little yeah. mini game like that make, might make a little bit of sense for aligning. Yeah. I mean, I have a funny feeling they're not going to use that system mm-hmm. specifically, although maybe they will. Um, they'll definitely use the learnings from it once they get mm-hmm. some testing through, I'm sure. Um, I see that being the main potential mini game. Um, but I do think, like, it's a surprisingly simple interface, but it looks like people can achieve the goal really fast, which yeah. I think is amazing. Um, so we did actually, so those were all of our discord questions. We actually got an email question this week. So that's mm. a rarity for us. Um, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Einvind who, um, first of all, he said he noticed that we didn't have an episode last week and he was very disappointed. Um, but then he followed up with a question. He said, at what point do you think the it's just a tech demo toxic arguments will end? Uh, he personally felt that it'll likely be around until the end of 2022 when a majority of gain systems and like very, very clear progress will be up up and running uh what do you think canuck when, oh, when's the tech demo man listen i've end? been at this for a long time since ultima online all those many years ago and if there's one thing about the pc gaming community is we i i try i try to be positive but there is a significant segment of the pc gaming community that is very vociferous and vocal 
and they'll complain about everything and anything. But I, I, I am confident, mm -hmm. however, if you had to say when, I think, again, I know we've sp spoken about this as like a silver bullet on more than one occasion, but I really do believe that once they get the systems in that permits them to expand upon some of their other mechanics that rely on, you know, the meshing and the eye cache, um, then you'll get a couple more mechanics in and it becomes less of a text demo like people would like to identify it and more of really the initial phases of fleshing out a full game and leading towards a beta. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, I think uh, I agree with Kanoka 100%. Gaming community, community is really rough, like uh, especially Gen Z. Uh, I mean, they take a lot of this stuff for granted. Look, I used to play Pac-Man. So for me, anything beyond that is incredible, right? <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, unless it's perfect, God forbid there's a little glitch. God forbid, you know, it's not running at 100 FPS. Flawlessly, that's it. It's garbage. I'm not playing it. They're trashing it. So yeah. it's, the, I mean, Star Citizens is never going to be that. But I think at some point when, and it's not even about 30k so much. It's more about being able to. Uh, it's more about persistency. 30k can happen. Just you know, give the players back their losses or inventory. Uh, you know, and I think if that's kind of the the mold that we can get to, I think that's pretty much acceptable. And can I tell you something? Maybe I'm not listening to negativity, but even salty Mike is not that negative anymore. Uh, I mean, I don't really hear that much negativity about the game you know you know what happens is when uh one of the main street uh, uh magazines like uh you know new yorker magazine or something puts out an article about this crazy kickstarter that collected 400 million and still in alpha yeah and that the whole thing starts all over again it's the just uninformed the hit piece yeah yeah i mean ultimately haters are gonna hate I think no matter what, Star Citizen's always going to encounter people who don't like the idea that that Star that Robert Space Industries CIG sold ships, right? And to them, either it feels free to play or pay to play, or yeah. um, or pay to win rather, um, or it sort of feels like what's wrong with people. I can't believe they spent hundreds of dollars. And, you know, what they don't understand is that this is the game that some of us have yeah. always wished could be possible. And so it wasn't about the ship as much as it is about the, oh, yeah. the ability to it fund was, the to game. To me, I, I, I was the, actually, I used to play Second Life. I don't know if you guys ever heard of it. I mean, to me, that yep. was the most incredible thing that I ever invented. And you did nothing there. You basically build a homestead and yeah. it plugged in a YouTube link to watch TV and sit and have virtual drinks. And that was about it. There was no action. There were no ships. There was no, I mean, th this is like, you know, a miles and I mean, ages ahead of the, of that. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, like you said, it's something that we always wanted to see. And uh, there was just wasn't around. So to me, I don't care. At this stage, as far as I'm concerned, the game is for me personally. It's done. I'm enjoying it. 
uh, and, and anything else is icing on the cake. And I think if, <clears throat> excuse me, something, you know, there's only one person that really, quote unquote, is allowed to be uncompromising, and, and that's Chris. Chris is the guy who's kind of putting this together, and he's the guy in charge. And he said, I'm making something that is uncompromising to my vision of it. Everybody else, all the backers, all the people who are already backed, all the people that are coming in, we are the ones that have to accept the game as it will be developed and presented to us. And you make a choice. You say, what it has become yeah. is something I don't like, or what has become is something that I love, or what has become is something that I can accept. Now, that's easy for me to say because I'm not, and, and I, I begrudge nobody the people who spent a lot of money on pledges and supporting the development that I'm, I know people that spend money on guitars or on bikes and all these things. So somebody's making, mm -hmm. you know, the hit pieces of people saying, ah, oh, this guy spent like 10 grand on spaceships. So what? He spent $10,000 as long as his family's not starving to death, leave him be because somebody else, nobody complains when somebody buys a, a Gibson or a, or a, or a Fender Stratocaster for $5,000. Um, but the thing is, is I see that some people that have a significant investment might have more of an interest in the direction and where this is going and where it's going to finish versus me who's in for my initial $65 pledge from 2012. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I would I would say too, like we the backers, maybe not me because I wasn't there for the original campaign, but like if people start to complain about scope creep, for instance, <laughs> that ship is sailed. You know, <laughs> like and it was because it got so heavily backed. They had these different things. They weren't going to the game is only possible because and, and only headed in this direction because of the crazy right. funding that well, we saw. The only thing I have to um, say about heavy investment into digital assets and forget about digital assets into a company right so your faith is into a company right so as long as we uh, have a faith that this project but you know as you know anything could happen right so there could be lawsuits there could be mm -hmm. injunctions who knows like i've seen crazy stuff happen you know so there is always that slight slight chance that this company will get shut down and this game will go dead. So that's the only kind of issue that I see with buying these crazy, you know, spending this crazy money on digital assets, you know, uh, like as, a, as a, an investment, like some people are actually uh, sort of uh, speculating that, oh, well, you know, they only had one of these, this is a special edition, it's going to be worth so much, you know, in X amount of years. Uh, I would never look at it that way personally. To me, I would buy it if I want to enjoy it today. Yeah, me neither. Uh, understanding the risk of it potentially could be completely gone uh, in a year, like everything again. Yeah. yeah. But to answer, yeah. to, uh, to, to kind of loop back yeah. and, and really kind of reiterate uh, my answer to the, your, 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 uh, your viewers, your listeners' question was I think that. If we had to put, I, you know, they never put dates on anything and they're right to do so. But I think as much as people call it that silver bullet, that little magic, this will fix everything. I really do think that iCache and server meshing are significant pieces of technology that will make significant differences for everything else going forward. 
So when, when that's done, that's in, agreed. and if all goes well, we might get both of them by the end of this year. Um, that's going to be a pretty yeah. significant leap, I think. Yeah. These have been very, like the last year and this year are foundational years, um, to say the least. Like, more so than before where I felt like they had too much of a, maybe not too much of a focus, but there's been, there has been a lot more emphasis on what's been flashy mm-hmm. about the releases. I think now it's, it's time to be like, well, here's what we're building. That's actually going to impact the game substantially. Yeah. And then the gameplay improved dramatically. I mean, I've been only doing this for a year, you know, mining gameplay, uh, the combat play. I mean, all of that, you know, the, uh, the immersion factors with, with the whole with food and drinks and all that, uh, the weather and yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's taking leaps and bounds in a year that I've been playing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been playing since 2016, and back then, it was like you had a reason to check in every, you know, couple of months. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you'd play for a week and then I, at least for me, I'd play for like a week and then just stop playing for a month, two months, three months, but I watched all of their content consistently throughout. Um, so those are all of our questions this week. Um, if you have any questions, you can submit them by emailing us at readcastsc at gmail.com. Uh, DMing our Twitter handle at ReadcastSC, submitting a message through Anchor. Um, so that's anchor.fm slash Readcast or joining our Readcast Discord. Links should all be working in the show notes below. Um, and also don't forget, if you are looking to explore the verse um, and you are looking for a, a good crew of people to play with, um, take a look at Read. We are, um, it stands for Research Through uh, research and exploration through engineering. No, sorry. See, I'm really crossing my wires now. It's research and engineering through exploration and discovery. Um, we also have several content creators uh, in the org. So don't forget to watch um, Earth's videos on YouTube or listen to uh, any of the music that you hear on our show. And then some uh, by Admiral Cody and Calibri. Um, it's really quite great. They continue to add to the read soundtrack um, when they can. And that uh, wraps up another episode of Recast. It was a little jam-packed this week, but not not overly long, considering. Um, Canuck, thanks again for coming on, and uh, as always, we appreciate your input, both when you're on the show and and asking questions outside of the show. I enjoy it every time. It's, it's, well, every time. My second time. Hopefully my mic is better levels, and it won't frustrate people trying to hear what I have to say. Um, much but, but better. Lots of fun. Much and, you know, it's always fun in read chat. The people are great. Uh, I mean, we sometimes we have to try to convince Chekhov to stop trying to send all his emails to uh, CIG to get them to do a wipe <laughs> all the time. But, um, <laughs> but no, again, I had a good time tonight. I appreciate the, I appreciate you guys having me on. Maybe I should start doing that. A letter writing campaign. You can write them in Russian. Yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, I'd like to just to echo Geeky. It was great having you. Always a lot of fun. Got a lot of great input. And uh, looking forward to seeing you in the. Uh,
universe. Oh, thanks. It's easy. It's easy when you you guys are easy to get along with. It's it's nice to spend time with you. So I'm always happy. Awesome. Well, uh, and also thank you, fellow citizens, for listening. We will see you again next week. Thank you.